this morning we're going to finish up this great chapter in Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, which is sometimes called the Hall of Faith. And so, by way of review, we sort of, um, where we are in Hebrews is we've gone through all these chapters of where the writer is talking about Jesus and how Jesus is better than fill in the blank so he's better um, he's better than Moses he's um, let me find my place sorry and so he's greater than Moses he's he's a high priest he's a better a perfect high priest and he has he's brought in a better covenant and is a better um, better tabernacle he's opened up access to a better tabernacle and so all these better he's better than and then within this then there's warnings saying because of this don't neglect so great a salvation and warning of insincere faith and uh, and willful disobedience and comes to a place then it says where the writer says in chapter 10 but um says i'm can't find it says for you it talks about sort of a, a change in mood where it's rather than the warnings against this insincere faith and willful dis- disobedience there's the shift and he says but for, for you um says recall the former days and I, why can't i find this verse for 32 32 yeah, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And so he's, he's speaking to, a, to people who are sincere in faith, but struggling and enduring hardship. So it, it's rather than warning against willful disobedience, it's talking to a people who are, have struggled and he's uh, in, encouraging them to... and encouraging us to persevere and to uh, have endurance and not to shrink back. And then chapter 10, verse 39, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So it's instead of warning, it's encouragement and it's uh, pushing to persevere in faith. And so we come up to this chapter and it says, okay, well, what is faith? And so we have a definition and then a series of examples. And that's what we're in the middle of. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we're told in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so as we talked about that when we first entered into it, there's a backward looking aspect to it. We understand that God exists, that he created all things and he created all things from that which is not seen. And then there's this forward looking as far as the reward and uh, builds upon some of the things that have been talked about in, in the book, but looking forward to a new city, a better city, a better um, land. And so so then we enter in, and then this one thing I've just been really enjoying as I've studied this is just the, God gives us great literature. He doesn't just give us He gives us the truth, but not in a very bland way. He gives it through really great literature at times. And um, in Hebrews itself, the book as a a whole is a great piece of literature. And chapter 11 is just like a great um, 
just a pearl within. <laughs> and so um, the, it's held together in the structure that he goes by faith, by faith, by faith. And then he goes through these examples. And so started out with uh, going through Abel and Enoch and Noah and then Abraham. And then he got with Abraham, he demonstrated his faith really a number of times um, by being called out and obeying, going out to a strange land. Um, he believed the promise that through his seed, many nations would be blessed. And he, in sort of, I think, an ultimate act of faith, he believed that God, the writer of Hebrews tells us, he believed that God would raise, bring back to life his son when he obeyed God's call to sacrifice his only son, the son of the promise. And he obeyed, although God stopped him. Of course, we know that story. That, and God provided another, a replacement sacrifice. And so, um, so what we're, then we're talk, it talks about Abraham and then Sarah. So we're sort of coming in now to the middle of this section talking about the patriarchs. And as we saw last week, it says, um, in verse 16 says, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared for them a city. So in the midst of talking about the patriarchs, this forward looking again, looking forward to something better than simply the land um, that God, they, they don't even possess that yet. Uh, and so... So that's where we are, and we're going to pick it up. I'm going to, we're finishing up the chapter, so 20 through 40, it's a long section. But I'm actually going to pick it up, I'm going to start in verse 17, just because we're sort of in the middle of this flow. And it's hard to divide up, as I said last week, sort of unfortunate, we have to divide it up in different places. For obviously for time's sake we do, but it, it all flows together. So I'll just go ahead and read and you all just follow along. So starting at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, 
of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, again, by faith, by faith, really brings sort of the scaffolding of this whole um, chapter. And so we're... So here in verse 20, we're continuing then this flow from Abraham and Sarah and the promise that was through Isaac and God preserved that. And one thing I I sort of came up with, I don't know, this, um, I guess a label of the way that their faith is exercised. And I thought of, the logic of faith and some of the discussion we were having last week about how Abraham reasoned out that God would um, remain faithful because of his promises. And it got me to thinking that faith, I think, um, I don't know, maybe some the way the world talks about faith or definitely the, some of the ways that they criticize us as Christians is uh, faith versus reason, you know, faith versus logic. And I'm just thinking here, we're given examples of people who exercise faith through their logic, through their reason, because the writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham, he thought this out and he reasoned that, well, God is going to raise Isaac because God is gonna remain faithful to his promise and so it's just the faith in the, the character of God as being faithful brings about this type of logic that is born of this faith. And we're going to see a little bit of that here continuing. And it's so in so we're continuing then in verse 20 and it says, So now we're going to Isaac, continuing through the the patriarchs. It says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And so this continuation, looking forward, the promise, so the the promise uh, that God had given through Abraham, this is continuing on then through the generations. And so... Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And then we have this, it says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. And I think there we see again this idea of the sort of logic born of faith. It's like, so here they were now, at this point in time, they're in, they're in Egypt. And knowing the, knowing the promises, the logical thing to know, and knowing that God keeps his promises, logic would say, well, God is going to bring the people out of Israel, out of Egypt, he's going to bring bring us his people back to Israel. So it's this, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's some revelation involved 
But I think even short of that, there's just a logic saying, well, God is, God is true. God keeps his promises. We're in Egypt. At some point, we're going to go back to Israel. And so it's, it's this forward-looking um, aspect of faith, believing the promises of God, believing in him, his faithfulness. And um, so... It's, it's interesting, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. I mean, it's simply that they're going to go back to the promised land at some point in time. Good. Well, uh, I think a lot of times in looking at this promise, and we're here, and sometimes we err in how God is going to accomplish that yeah. promise. Yeah. Like, uh, in other words, raising Isaac from the dead. Yeah. Well, God had a little different idea of how he was going right. to do it. Yeah, yeah that, that's so true. I think and for... A lot of times, you know, promises, we sort of dream too of how it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it don't happen the way we'd like it or yeah. dream it's going to happen. And I don't know if you're like me. It's like I, I sort of want... God to, you know, I want to grow in Christ. I want to be sanctified, but I want to do it sort of in a painless way. I want my life to be, you know, I want everything to be cool, everything to be comfortable. And it's like, well, that's not really, that's usually not how, where we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith through, you know, uh, times of um, trouble, you know, in some form or another. And it's, um, it's like, I think maybe because of, not necessarily even our sinful nature, but just by nature, you know, we, we, don't want, we, don't, we don't want trouble, we don't want pain, but it's sort of like, okay, if God's going to really grant us what he's, you know, he promises to sanctify us, and so, it's sort of like, okay, well, we ought to expect there to be, you know, trouble of some form or difficulties or those kind of times when we really do, you know, we look back and those, that's how we grow. Yeah. Right. Well, that's where I see that God is our, our father. It's, he's, a, he's a parent. So what parent hasn't, um, if, you're, if your child runs out into the street, you, you do something drastic, even if there's no cars coming, you do something drastic to make sure that child knows you don't ever do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if that's the Board of Education to the backside, you know? <laughs> um, and that hurts. But you love your child enough to do that. Um, so that they'll learn not to do that when yeah. there is a car coming. And so you're a parent loves a child enough right. to hurt once in a while. Yeah. So that they grow. Yeah, and it's things like that, it, it's no longer theory, you know, it's no longer, hey, you know, there's cars out there, and, you know, it becomes, um, you know, yeah, it's through things like that that the lessons are taught, and faith is, is faith grows, and and ultimately, we know, too, that there is also the aspect that ultimately God, it's for God's glory. So God, he doesn't just tell us about his character. He doesn't just tell us that he's faithful, but he shows us through so many ways. And showing us his faithfulness is often through, you know, um, trouble, you know, persecution or... Um, just different kinds of um, pain that we might go through. And even sometimes of our own doing, you know, faith, uh, pain because the consequences of our own action, yet God, in his, by his grace, he shows us his faithfulness. He's faithful in that he forgives us when, even when we sin and come to him for forgiveness, which he promises us that he, he shows us he is faithful every morning. He's, he's, go ahead. Well, in that faith, you have to, you don't see the, a lot of times you don't see the end result of that, but think 
even now from what Corey Tindum went through. And you think of the awful things that she had to go through and she didn't know why. I mean, why did God allow all those things for her? But think of all of the people since then that have learned yeah. forgiveness, that have learned how to keep going during the struggle. Yeah, yeah, and and that really is, I mean, that's another example of really what um, God through the writer of Hebrews is telling us and showing us through these examples and better, better press on. <laughs> it says, so now we turn to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, so it begins with his parents and it says, they saw that the child was beautiful. Um, I, what, what do you think that means? I mean, does that mean he was a cute kid? Well, all parents say that. I mean, it seems like there's something more here. What, any opinions out there? I, it says the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I, I think in the context, we probably understand that they had a, they had an, I don't know if it was a direct revelation, but they had an idea from God that this child was, um, he was chosen by God to do, to do great things for Israel. I don't, I don't know if they knew that he was gonna be the one to bring them out of exile, but they understood that this child should be preserved. And I think it goes beyond just the mother and father protecting their child. Because there's faith. According to this, it says, uh, because they saw he was no ordinary child, not just beautiful, he was just no, yeah. not, not an ordinary child. Yeah, yeah, so there. Because everybody thinks their kids are beautiful. Right, yeah, yeah, there's, but yeah, it does seem to be something, in addition, their, their, their act of faith was, and this was where, specifically says they were not afraid of the king. They were being faithful to God. And so we'll, we'll see a couple more, I think a couple more examples of that were being a fearing God and not fearing man. It's interesting to see the testimony in the New Testament that prior to Christ, no one was greater than Moses. I mean, you know, he was the most significant person in yeah. the life of Israel up until Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And and earlier in this chapter it goes to great great lengths to to talk about how much greater. In fact Moses himself will will point point that out in 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 a sense, at least the account here and says so pressing ahead a bit, by faith Moses, so when he was grown up we know the story. He refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing to be mistreated with the people of God. So he went out there in order and to suffer the same kind of um, pain that his people, he was now identifying now not with um, Egypt, not being a, you know, he was a prince in Egypt, and but yet he chose to be identified as a slave with, with his peeper, people, peeps, and, um, and it says, choosing rather to be mistreated than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Um, yeah, that's, that's something, <laughs> I mean, that's a huge thing right there. That's something we, go ahead. You know, I was gonna say, you know, sometimes we think of faith, you know, why God is God using it as a say about that. You know, you could all you can you can make the argument that Moses really didn't call his until he's eighty years old. Yeah. You know, that's all you know, I mean sometimes we get frustrated, well, why is this something happening? And uh yeah. yeah, yeah. He told most people that things aren't really gonna start happening until you're eighty years old, I think some of us get really depressed. <laughs> and uh I just find that yeah. interesting. It took, you know, Moses, you could say Moses did anything exciting 
I mean, I guess if you say killed someone, that's exciting. But killed someone, then yeah, and then hung out for forty years out in out in the desert, desert. Right yeah. And then, yeah, he, so he probably didn't look like Charlton Heston when he came to. So <laughs> 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 they're older. Yeah. Well, look at us. We're looking forward to the rapture, right? And uh, every generation has been doing that. They sort of look at current conditions and, yeah. hey, this is how God can accomplish it. Yeah. Now, we're probably looking at what's happening over in Russia, Putin, Ukraine, and all that. We're probably figuring, hey, oh, Putin, he's going to get going. He's going to sweep down to the route, and Jesus oh. is going to come and rescue us. Well, we continued, yeah, and we don't, yeah, I think every generation has thought, this must be the generation that Christ returns, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. We ought, we're, we're to be forward-looking just as they are. Faith is forward-looking. We look, God is going to fulfill His promises. Maybe we're the generation that's going to do it. Sure seems like it, doesn't it? But um, we know He will. And, um, but He's patient <laughs> in bringing about um, His promises, we're told. And, and so we'll... You look at the, the apostles on that one, they were looking for a rapture right then. Yeah, uh, yeah. We are to. We are to look, look for, yeah. Well, we're, this is a testimony of his patience. I mean, if he's willing to wait 80 years for Moses to grow up and yeah. to make a decent decision or, or work with him, if he's willing to work through Samson, I mean, like Tempest said before, if any one of us knew Samson, would you think he would Yeah, yeah I know. We'll, yep, we'll get there, I think. <laughs> um, but it says, but yes, I mean, so all of this sort of, it, it concludes in, well, look, the conclusion in verse 39, and it's sort of a summary of all this. It says, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So it's like, yeah, so it was, it's forward-looking even beyond this life. And that's what faith, faith is. Um, forward-looking in that we trust that God is true to his promises. Um, verse 26, with Moses, I, this is very interesting. I just, so it says he chose to be mistreated with people rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Um, very interesting that he had um, an understanding of the Messiah. It was, all, it was looking, it was within the context of that God was going to provide a greater, one greater than him, and so even in Moses' mind, it was, um, there was a messianic element to his, his faith. Um, in fact, Moses himself wrote about the Messiah. If someone would turn to Deuteronomy 18, or we can all turn to Deuteronomy 18, um, verse 15 through... Um, Uh, 13 through 19, I guess. Would someone like to read that? 15 through 19? Yeah, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through, well, to whatever makes sense. I mean, it goes all the way, I guess, through 22. Just as you desired of the Lord your God, or upon the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will work. 
And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid. Okay. Yeah. That little... So Moses himself, in, in you know his own account, he was looking forward to, he talked of this one who would be greater than him, would be greater than him, would be a prophet. Um, they, of course, would have known the, um, the blessing given by Jacob to his sons, where within that there was the um, prophecy of a coming king, um, one who would have the scepter. So there was a knowledge, of course, this, it had been revealed to them that there would be this one greater, a greater a king, a greater prophet, and so that there would be the Messiah coming. So, it, so it, as this writer of Hebrews does, he, in, he interprets what is known from the Old Testament and then he adds a little bit to it, um, fleshes it out even more. So, so Moses, so by faith he left um, Egypt, and we're, we're looking in verse 27. Um, and here we see, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Looking a little bit back to our definition of, of faith in verse 1, the conviction of things not seen, I think that's intentional here in the text. The, the aspect of faith, we worship a God who we don't see, we don't worship idols, I mean, that's essential, the essential element of, of our faith is this aspect we don't see with our eyes, you know. What, and, um, but again, not being afraid, fearing God and not man. Um, and then 28, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer and the firstborn might not touch them. So... Um, believing God that, you know, he would pass over, that the destroyer would pass over those who were obedient by, they demonstrated their obedience by the, showing the blood on the doorpost. So, um, then continuing by faith, 29, by faith the people, um, crossed over the Red Sea, as in dry land, um, by faith. So that's, then, so we're continuing the story then, uh, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, um, which I think is interesting, you go back there, it, it, shows, the, it shows the obedience. Um, it doesn't really talk a lot about their faith, they obeyed God, they did what he said, and the walls came tumbling down, um, but it, doesn't really present it as um, an act of faith, but it's an act of obedience, which which shows the you know the that those are um, I don't know synonymous. Those are connected. You know, obedience is by faith. And here the writer is saying, well, the fact that they obeyed and God showed His greatness through their obedience, that was an act of faith. And then, and then it talks about then, I don't know, in a way it's surprising that, that this is one who was, who is listed in this, this hall of, <laughs> hall of faith. But so, so far it's, so, it's pretty, you know, expected, the, the ones who are listed. I mean, those make a lot of sense. Um, now we're starting to get into this area where it's like, okay, I'm not sure I would have picked these names if I had a name, name of, I don't know, about like 15 names from the Old Testament's faith. I'm not sure I would pick some of these people now that we're starting to get into. But, but Rahab, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. 
because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Um, so she is presented. <clears throat> now here's one who was not. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't probably that knowledgeable about all the promises that God had fulfilled through, you know, through the patriarchs, um, through Moses, and, you know, maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm sure word had gotten out of, you know, what had happened in Egypt, and the, these people got out, so there was a knowledge, but I think it was more the knowledge of what God was doing with these people, and she believed in this God who had done all these things through these people who are now, you know, coming into the land. And so, did you have something, Henry? Well, probably. I think they mentioned the Egypt crossing and some of that stuff. In other words, when the spies come to her, they, yep. she mentioned some of the stuff of how God was working with them. Yeah, that's right, in the account. Yeah, she, she did know that, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so the faith, I mean, there's a sense in which it shows that some faith looks differently. I think even now, faith looks different for different people. Um, I always think about, you know, I, I always go to the thief on the cross. Faith looked a, a lot different for him than what we think, you know. I mean, he was, in a way, he was sort of like the first Christian to go into heaven. It's, it's like he... You know, what did he believe? He believed that this innocent man said, who was dying, had authority to tell him that he could go into paradise. And he believed him. And it's like that very basic, simple faith, not a lot of theological content to that or anything like that. Didn't necessarily, I don't think he necessarily understood the idea of a substitutionary death that he was dying for his sins. Doesn't really indicate that. It just says, I believe this man who has authority who says I can come into heaven. And so it's, I think Rahab's faith was different than that of Moses for sure. But yet this faith is commended. She's commended to God. And in fact, she was in, through her, the Messiah would come. <laughs> she was in the line, you know, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is always a struggle, right? Because we know more than anybody <laughs> did in the past. So, I mean, it, in this present age, it's really clear. I mean, the gospel, the person, the work of Jesus Christ, that is the way. Yeah. Um, but when you get into ages past, I mean, it's kind of interesting. He is dealing with faith, kind of the essence of faith. And in the beginning, he is speaking just in, in essence. He's not focused on the content. You know, what was the specific promise given to these people? You know, Joseph is trusting that they'll be taken out of Egypt. Uh, Rahab's, you know, believing in this God, you know, says that she's not along with those who are disobedient, like blessed or senior harlot. Well, clearly she's repentant at that point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, here we are. Yeah. Um, What's he say there, verse 7? Uh, not 7, 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must uh, believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So that's kind of the essence here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're hearing God's promises, and they're acting upon them. Yes. As if he is, he's going to fulfill, he's going to keep, he's going to reward those who seek him. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yes. Well put, and I, and and God's sovereignty. I, yeah, He's including He's including these people in this list. I I think to really highlight, to emphasize that, among other things, you know, and so, so, so we've gone through this this by faith, you know, uh, this. List is, um, you know, listing out of all these examples and stuff. And so, um, 
So we're coming into sort of a, um, <clears throat> we're going to su summarize this or bring this to a close. And so it gets interesting here, he says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of, and I think right there he's sort of saying, there's so many examples. There's many examples throughout the Old Testament. I've come up to this point and I could come up with a hundred more. <clears throat> Time would fail me to tell of. And so he gives maybe a representative example of all these characters from the Old Testament, um, <clears throat> which is interesting. So he starts with Gideon. Now I would say these are pretty flawed people that he's given us. And I know um, Jeff, is like you had mentioned last week or a couple weeks ago, that it's like we can take great comfort, I think, in seeing some of the names here, that these are very flawed people. And it's like God commends them because of their faith. And so sometimes when we get really down on ourselves for our lack of faith, it's we can take comfort in knowing that God who sees the heart and knows our, knows our struggles even better than we do, um, he yet commends us if we remain faithful. Uh, and so, so Gideon, Gideon was the one who, I, at least initially, he didn't seem really like he had that much faith. He kept asking God for signs, you know, okay, God told him and says, okay, well, I'll believe you if, you know, with the fleece, putting out the fleece, if, you know, the dew, tw twice he did the fleece. And, all the, you know, all these things where he really demanded signs. Yet, in the end, he was faithful. He um, obeyed God in the end. So, and I think that's, that's what we're, we're going to see is sort of we're looking at what the ultimate um, result or the, um, was. Um, the other one, this one's interesting, Brock is like, who? Um, he was the general under Deborah, and sort of like Deborah, who? <laughs> okay, Deborah was a judge, yeah. Um, and he was a. And there was this whole tent peg through the um, temple kind of stuff going on there. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's really pretty obscure. Um, but I think maybe that's part of the point here is there's some obscure names in here. Um, a very surprising one then, Samson, you know, that's been mentioned. It's like, really, Samson? I mean, it, that did not seem to be a picture of a man of faith, yet he ended. He ended. He ended his life. That's right. And I think that's what we're going to see here ultimately. And we can take comfort in that, knowing that, okay, how many times have I messed up? Ultimately, though, I want to be a person, a man of faith. You know, when you say that, and I think he ended well. Gideon didn't end well. You remember the end of the story of Gideon? What did he do? He made, that, he made that ephod, which led his whole faith history. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know as though that was his intention, though. I don't either. Yeah. But, well, he, he shouldn't have made that ephod, right? Well, yeah. Because he wasn't even on the Moses, time. Moses made the serpent at the command of God, and they still bowed down. Yeah, you're right. But what my point being is, he's listed here because of his faith. And my point again is, there wasn't necessarily, he wasn't necessarily smart even toward the end. And I, I yeah. guess, I'm just trying to say it gives us hope. I mean, because of our human failure, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect, yeah. is my point, right? And, and not all of them, can I say, maybe didn't finish real well. Yeah. God said, because of your faith, yeah, I'm a, we're going to see Gideon in heaven. Yeah, I, yeah, we will. We know the, that. The, the whole crew guys I think a lot of and a lot of what we've seen in Hebrews is you know we um, he 
Our call to faith, we're not is perseverance and overall, you know, um, not necessarily, you know, if any of us, if a snapshot were taken at any point, we would, um, there, anyone who saw that snapshot would say, why, this guy's, this guy's not a Christian or whatever, but it's the overall persevering, overall, um, do you have something, Henry? Well, we can look at these guys and Yes, they had faith, but if they'd been more obedient, they could have done a lot oh. better than they did do. Sure. Yeah, I mean... That's I, I, always true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always true. That's always true. Yeah. yeah. I've, yeah I've, I've thought that I've... And, well, if if I was perfect. <laughs> I think... <laughs> just imagine what I'd be able to do. It comes out and tells you that Gideon lost some of the glory of the battle because he had to have Deborah come with her. There's, there's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are examples in church history of people who have become Christians very late in life and are known, you know, their faithfulness, their last few years in their life accomplished so much. I mean, some of the, and I think of some Christians who died relatively young, yet we know them. I, like, I think Jonathan Edwards was... I think he was in his 30s when he died or something like that. Yet it's like Jonathan Edwards. I mean, he's um, so much that he, his writings and, you know, stuff like that. It's just, I think, yeah, it is true that if we, for, for all of us, you know, if they're getting up, up there in years, it's like, wow. I mean, there's, it's like, there's much that if, much that can be accomplished, you know, just uh, so. Yeah, that is true. Um, hey, Mike. Yeah. We really need to get to these last ones because it doesn't always work out for everybody that way. Uh, yeah. It, meaning? Meaning that sometimes you don't accomplish great things. Yes. Sometimes you are the right. son of the earth by faith. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so we are running out of So, yeah, so a couple of those. So Jeff, Jephthah, Gileadite, that's another one that's sort of like, actually sort of a tragic story where, but but yet he's, lift, he's this obscure person lifted up as a man of faith. And but it says of David and Samuel, David, of course, who was a adulterer and a murderer, <laughs> but he was a man after God's own heart. So he... Um, was flawed yet believed God and so but um, but yeah so then 33 summarizing who then the prophets and the prophets in general who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, speaking of Elijah and Elisha um, accounts there. But yeah, now, um, I think to Jason's point, um, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. So there's this looking beyond this life and um, the, the promise, the reward isn't, it's, the reward that's being looked to is not the reward in this life. And so prosperity gospel kind of stuff is right out. That's, that's not what we, that's not what faith looks to, not anything in this life, and it expands on that. It says, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and then this cool phrase, of whom the world was not worthy. 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You know, you like to think that verses right there would kill the prosperity gospel message, wouldn't you? I mean, it should. It should, yeah. Yeah, it should have put a heart right into yeah. Joel Osteen's whole ministry. Boom! Yeah. Yeah. yeah um. <clears throat> the sad thing, though, with the help of all the prosperity doctors, how many of those people are truly saved? Come on. And the thing is, what's going to happen when the times get rough, those people collapse. And they're, they're, they're going to be the ones that will, when we get it to the end times, they'll take the mark of the beast just to be able to survive at that time without even questioning, I think. Well, in verse 39, I mean, so it's the capstone. It says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So what does that mean? Did not receive what was promised. Did God break his promise? No. No. Didn't see while they were alive. That's right. The promise isn't for this world, this life. It didn't occur during their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you, you know, we get back, even Abraham didn't uh, uh, see his promise in some ways. I mean, he got yeah. a son, but sure not, they sure weren't a multiple <laughs> son. Yeah, but one of the sands. It was not the sand, one son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my mind, this should be the most encouraging section. Because, yeah. I don't know about you, but I've never conquered a kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never brought down the leader like Pharaoh of a nation. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never performed a miracle. I've never seen God defeat an army before me. You know, I actually think that the more common experience, especially in this present age, when Christ says, come and follow me and take your cross mm -hmm. daily, it's really going to be more characterized by that. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Well, and then look at it. A lot of these guys, they did have failures at times, but we all have failures to some degree. Oh, uh, yeah. We, and, uh, absolutely. That doesn't disqualify you from being godly. Yeah. And the, the impact that, that we'll have, it, we, we don't know. Um, I always, I don't know. This, this image always comes to me. I think, I think in heaven, in, the, in eternity, future, I think, I think one of the joys... I want to think that it will be revealed to us how God has worked his redemption through, through history. And, you know, our piece of it, it's like a big tapestry. And our piece, we might be one little thread in there that God has woven in and used in ways that we can't know in this life. And we can't see, maybe, or maybe don't happen during our lifetime, maybe happen in the future you know just all we can do is act in faith faithfully tell people about christ i haven't i've never had the experience where i tell people tell someone about christ and they repent right there and accept christ i've never had that um my most of my times i've told people is it's like yeah yeah or it's like yeah i believe that and, but their life doesn't really show it you know things like that and I see little gleanings of it, particularly, you know, with some of our grand, grandchildren and stuff like that, you know. And it's like, but I have no doubt that the, God promises that our words won't return empty. And so he's using them. And so, I don't know. But that's the experience. I, that's the common experience, I think, of most Christians, most Christians, you know, speaking of, you know, sharing the gospel and stuff, most of us aren't, you know, but Billy Graham or whatever, you know. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting to me how we tend to think of, you know, persecution, verse 35. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yep. Death. Right. That's, that's the extreme. Yeah. But, you know, as he goes on, 
I mean, he gets into things like, um, you know, they're marginalized in society. Yeah. You know, they're ostracized, they're pushed to the fringe, um, they're destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, um, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes. And, you know, if, if the world can't kill you, it will just marginalize you. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll push you to the fringe as, as best as they can. Yeah. And try and just, you know, uh, make your life miserable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see it through history, and we see it even now where, you know, places where the kingdom is, is you know, growing wildly and the gospel is flourishing are places where, like in some of the Islamic nations, uh, I hear in China and stuff where, you know, where people are literally, you know, ostracized. Um, pushed aside or persecuted, sometimes killed, but yet the gospel, you know, flourishes. That's, that's really the, the history of the church. The, God, the church has flourished, the kingdom has expanded most where there's persecution. And so, um, yeah. And well, you know, you talk about that, read the World Magazine, it's really amazing over there in a lot of those well, they throw them in jail, and what they don't realize is they throw them in jail, and they spend two years in there, and they get a two-year Bible college education with everybody in there. Yeah. They come out better yeah. prepared. You know, it's kind of like, you know, what else you got to do other than study and pray there in jail? And, and uh, you know, all those people coming out there are more fired up than what they were when they went in. So, kind of backfired on them. Yeah. So, this is great encouragement for us. And finish it up here as we look at verse 40 it says so 39 all those though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised they were speaking specifically the old testament saints since god had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect what is that referring to what does that mean apart from us any ideas I, you know, I think the biggest promise in the book, I mean, he goes back to the promises of the New Covenant. Yeah. I mean, they didn't get to experience the New Covenant. We do. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's exactly what it's saying there is that, we, yeah, we have this advantage now. Yeah, it's like they, they had faith, even though with the limited amount of re revelation compared to what we have, um, some people had didn't have much revelation at all, like Rahab. Yet they had faith that commended them to God. So I don't know. What I get out of that is, wow, how much more? I mean, that is a lot of the message of Hebrews. How much more should our faith be? You know, we have no excuse. You know, we. And so um, it's great encouragement seeing the faith that is exemplified. But it's a great, um, a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of admonishment, but a great motivation that we have, the revelation that we have. We have this, and we have no excuse, really, to not have faith. And so, that's um, great encouragement. Um, and so... Anyway, we're out of time. Any, any, any other comments? Any? Well, we have salvation that is past, present, and future. So the salvation of Christ on the cross, the salvation that's happening with us day by day, mm -hmm. the salvation in the future of eternal life. Yeah. And they did not. Their salvation was all future. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They looked forward, yeah, it was cloudy um, shadows. They looked forward, they didn't understand the cross. We see it in full, full technicolor. We see um, what God, we have the completed, we're, you know, completed revelation of God right here. And so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's, we could talk forever <laughs> about, about all this, um, but 
Um, but yeah, so that's chapter 11. And um, we'll have to end it there. Then it goes on. So preview next week. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith.